Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Well, welcome to Texas, right? It's been something. If you live in Texas and you don't like change, you're going to have to move. You realize that uh, that's the series we're in. We're talking about move. If you don't like where you are in life, move. Take a different step. Take a different direction. You don't have to stay in fear. You can step out of your boat in faith. You don't have to live in chaos. You can step into a kingdom, the kingdom of God that doesn't change, that never shakes. You do that by... Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. We're going to continue what we kind of started last week. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. But the question is, how do you know... You're trusting the Lord. How do you know you're trusting in the Lord with all your heart? How do you know that you're acknowledging Him? I can hear somebody say, well, I tell Him. When I run into a situation I can't handle, I tell the Lord, I I trust you, Lord. Well, what do you do with the situations that you can handle? We tend to just believe that we only need God at at the hard times. Well, I try to read my Bible and and pray, someone might say. Or I give Him thanks. I thank Him for all my blessings. Or I go to church when I can, every time I can. And I guess probably the one that we would probably say the most, well, I just do the best I can and I trust that He knows that I trust Him. Well, this morning I want to share with you there's a way that you can show the Lord that you are trusting Him with all of your heart and with all of your mind. And it's found in the context of Proverbs chapter 3. We read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. But verse 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Did you see it? How do you know I'm trusting the Lord? Verse 9, Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase. The way you know that you are trusting the Lord is you honor Him. You honor Him in giving Him the first fruit of all of your increase. And I can hear somebody saying, oh, preacher, we're going to be talking about giving this morning. No, we're going to be talking about honor. Most of us have a problem when we think about giving, but 
What I want to tell you is, if I have a problem with giving, I really have a problem with honor. So we're going to look at that together, and, and I'm the teaching pastor. And, and I, you know, I realize people are saying, but you don't know how I struggle financially. I really wish I could give, but I just don't have it. Well, this morning we're going to talk about moving from struggle to sufficient. And there's a principle that I want to share with you from the Scripture that's talking about how we honor God. So I want us to look at the verse, and because I'm the teaching pastor, you know I want to talk to you about the words that are found in the passage. Verse 9, it says, Honor. Honor comes from the Hebrew word kabod. Kabod. It means to highly value, to prize, to esteem, to give weight to, to ascribe worth or to promote. Most of the time in the Old Testament, this word kabod is translated glory or glorify. In other words, the word for honor the Lord is the same thing as glorifying the Lord. To bring glory to the Lord. To honor someone is to recognize the worthiness of a person and to grant that person a position of respect and even authority in your life. It's often translated glory because there's the honor that we give God brings Him glory in the earth. The next word there is you honor Him with, from, with or from your possessions. The word is han. It means substance or wealth or riches or possessions. And with the first fruits, that word first fruits is rashith. Rashith in the Hebrew means first or beginning, but it also means best or the choice part. It's not that it's just the first, but it's the best. You honor him with or from your with the first fruits of all your increase. That word is tabua. It means produce or income or gain or revenue. And a lot of people, sometimes we talk about, well, I give God honor spiritually. Well, this is talking about materially. It's not just spiritually. It was materially. A way that the world could know that you were honoring God. The word Lord there is in all caps again. We talked about it last week. He's the great I Am. He's the one who Himself exists and causes all other things to exist. We're to honor Him with the first fruits of all of our increase. I want you to hear me. It's not just about giving. It's about honor. We can give the first, but do we give the best? Honor's a matter of the heart, not just the hand. It's not a matter of law, but of love. It's not just what, but why. It's not just what we give. But why we give it? The principle of first fruits is all throughout Scripture. It's not just in the law. It was introduced before the law. Though the law spelled it out in detail for the Jews, it first appeared in Scripture in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Now, I've been a student of Scripture a long time, and there's some problem passages that I would have with Scripture. In other words, I just didn't understand it. 
Cain and Abel is one of those passages that I had a hard time understanding. It's when Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. And the Lord had respect for one offering, but didn't have respect for the other. It's found in Genesis 4, 1 through 5. I want to read it to you. It's not going to be on your screen, but I want to read it. It said, Adam and Eve brought forth a son and gave, gave the name of Cain. With the Lord's help, I've produced a man, is what his name meant. Later she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And here's what I want you to see. I'd always say, well, why did God reject Cain's and and take Abel's? And it wasn't until I understood the first fruits that it came for an understanding for me. It says Cain brought some of his crops. Now, crops wasn't a problem with offering, because there was the barley offering, there was a lot of different offerings that were able to be made by grain offerings. So it wasn't about it being a grain offering, but notice the words, he brought some of it. But when Abel brought, he brought the best of the firstborn of his flock. So what the difference was, was that Cain brought some of it and offered it to the Lord, and Abel brought the firstborn, the best, in honor to the Lord, in bringing it to the Lord. It's, it's not just there, in Canada, but it, that was before the law ever came into being. It wasn't about, it was about honor. It wasn't about the gift. It was about the honor. Cain brought an offering. Abel brought the first and the best, the firstborn and the best of the firstborn. Well, you can go all the way through Scripture. Abraham, you remember the story of Abraham. Abraham was going to, in his old age, has a son of promise. He's considered Abraham's firstborn, even though Ishmael was born of a, of, of a, a concubine. But, I, but Isaac was the son of promise. You remember what God told Abraham to do? To take the son of promise up on Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to the Lord. Why? Because the firstborn belongs to the Lord. And Abraham goes up, and here's the thing. The, when Isaac said, here's the wood, here's the, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham in faith said, God will provide himself for himself a sacrifice. And you remember, as he put Isaac on the altar, and as he lifted the knife, the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, now I know. You honor me before all things. And there was a ram stuck. And the ram redeemed Isaac as the first fruit to God. We could talk about Passover. That's Genesis 22. We could talk about Passover in Exodus 12. Passover. What, what finally at the tenth plague, the Lord said, Basically, the whole world, the firstborn belongs to me. But he had the Israel, the people of the Jews, the Hebrew children to go in and have a 
a lamb, a spotless lamb, the best of the lamb, and they were to go in and they were to spread the blood on the doorpost so that when the death angel passed through, that he would pass over, he would pass over everyone who had the blood on the doorpost. And that night the death angel passed through and all of Egypt's firstborn perished. But none of the Hebrew children who had marked the blood on the door, their firstborn survived. The Passover. Then Jericho. And I, I realize you say, well, preacher, that's enough. No, you've got to understand. The first belongs to God. When they were going, Joshua was fixing to lead them across the Jordan. And they're going to, and God said, I'm going to give you all the cities in this land. Houses you didn't build. Vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to give it all to you. It's a promise to you. But the first city, Jericho, is to be devoted to me. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. The first belongs to God. And here's the principle. What you do with the first part redeems or determines what's going to be done with all the rest. What you do, it's, it's a place of honor. And we could go on, we could talk about the tithe. That's what we're most familiar with. The word tithe means tenth or the tenth part. And I, I, I know we're no longer under the law of the tithe. That's not what I'm saying. We're no longer under the law. It's not about law. It's about honor. If under the law they brought his tithes into his house... Are we to do less now because we're under grace? God never asks anything of you that He does not provide first to you. And He gives you the opportunity to honor Him with the first part, the first fruit, the best of. And finally, the best, the best example is Jesus Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave... His only begotten Son, His firstborn. Why? So that we might be forgiven and all of mankind could be cleansed and delivered from sin. God gave the firstborn. The principle of first fruits is simply declaring that God is preeminent. He is before all. He's first and foremost. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. And what other things was he talking about? Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the clothes you're going to wear. All these things the Gentile seeks out, but the Father knows you have need of those things. So, seek first His kingdom. The first part. And all these other things will be added to you. Well, how do you practice this first fruits? Well, very simple. You give him the first. Well, how do you know which is first? Suppose you uh, have worked all week and you've got paid ten dollars. That's about our pay, isn't it, Gary? Got paid ten dollars and you got paid in ten one dollar bills. I have ten one dollar bills here. And you're going to give the first part of ten dollars. That's a lot of cash right there. What which one of these would be the first? 
the first one you spend. So if I made $10 and I'm going to give God the first part, it's going to be the first part that I spend out of that $10. I'm going to give Him the first part. And because it's the first, God considers it the best. And so when I make today's my pay, today's payday for me, and I'll include Connie because she, she lives off this paycheck too. And you know, I've already brought my paycheck and I put it in a box out there. Actually, I put it in the safe because I didn't think anybody else was being here this morning. And what, now, my payday's tomorrow. But my first fruit, the first check I wrote, the first money I spend out of that coming check is to honor God. It's not about the amount. Listen to me. It's not about the amount. It's about the honor. I honor Him. You say, well, it should be about the amount. No, listen to me. God knows my heart. The first part is the first part that I'm going to spend out of all my increase. I'm going to give it to Him, the first part. Now listen, I heard a true statement. I'm afraid more times than not, we eat the apple and give God the core. I couldn't help but think of how many times my mom, we'd be in the car, and we'd have an apple or something, and me and my brother, we would eat the apple, but who did we hand the core to? To mom. In other words, I'm going to give mom what's left. I'm going to eat the apple. It's for me. But I'm going to give mom what's left. If, if I wait to see if I could afford to give to God, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give to the city of Lampasas. I'm going to give to, to Visa and to MasterCard. I'm going to give to DirecTV. I'm going to give to Discover and to GMAC and Rocket Mortgage before I give to God. So what I've said to God is everything else in my life is more important than you are. I may have given to Him, and I may have given a lot to Him. But what I've done is I've not given Him the first part, the first fruit. Now, don't hear me saying you're not supposed to pay your bills and you're supposed to pay God first. No, here's the truth of the matter. God wants you to be a good steward of what He's given you so that you can give Him the first part. Usually, I'm sorry to say, in America, debt controls our giving a lot more than the Lord. And we allow the things of this world to get our attention away from how do I know I'm trusting God with all of my heart? Because He's the first thing I respond to. He's the first person. He's the one I give authority to in my life. I give Him also my best. God's worthy of your best. Today's Valentine's Day. When you go to the store to pick out something for the one you love, you'd be hard-pressed to go to the store today, but hopefully you've already done that. If you go to the store and pick out something for the one you love, do you look for the good enough or for the best? Do you look for what you can settle for? Don't answer that, guys. Or for what would show them how much you value them? I talked to Connie about this before I came. I've given her two gifts 
in our 47 years of marriage that were so special to her. The first was the first gift I ever gave her was a stuffed crocodile at a carnival with a crooked mouth. And the reason she so valued that gift was because it was the first gift that I ever gave her as we began a relationship. The second gift was after years we'd been married. And I gave her a wooden, a carved wooden clock that had some sheep on it. Now, I've given her diamonds. I've given her all kinds of other things. But this thing stood out to her. And the reason that clock was so special to her is because she did not know I had overheard her wanting it. And the very fact that I would give her something she didn't ask me for, or she didn't, that I was listening to her, that I actually heard. And that meant so much because what it meant to her, it wasn't about the clock, it was about the value that I had put on her. Now, I've given her a lot of gifts since, but those two, and she still confirms it, those two, are the special gifts. Because it was the first, and for her it was the best because of the honor or the value I put on it. She put on it. To me it was a clock. But I wanted to love her. The third thing about practicing this giving of the first fruit is... This is a matter of faith, and that's what I want you to understand. Giving the first fruits a matter of faith. When Abel brought the first lamb, the best lamb from, from his flock, what it meant was he offered as a sacrifice. He didn't know if he was going to have another lamb. He was giving the first part because he realized the source of everything he had was God. And if I honor God with what He's given me now then I'm going to trust Him to give me all things that I need. It was actually owning. It's a matter of faith. It actually shows God you are trusting Him as your source and as your resource for everything else. For your strength, for your life, for your health. I'm owning the Lord. I'm acknowledging Him and I'm depending upon Him. And it's basically saying to God, God, if you don't come through, I'm sunk. I'm trusting you, the one who promised. And here's the truth of Scripture. When you honor God, God will honor you. And here's the promise. Proverbs 3.10 You do this so your barns will be filled with plenty... And the promise is your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And I want you to note something that I hadn't seen in Scripture. The word barns and vats are plural. You know, most of us would be satisfied with one barn, with one vat. But the idea here, Solomon is telling his son... When you trust the Lord and you acknowledge Him, and when you honor Him with the first part of the first fruit, the best, God is going to be sure that your barns and your vats 
or plural, there's more than enough. That's the whole point. There's more than enough. The word filled is melah. Melee, excuse me, melee. It's to be full. And I love this next word. It's to be replenished. The very thing that I gave him is going to be replenished to me. It's going to be more than enough. To be replenished. To be full. And then the word plenty is save. Save. It means an abundance. Your vats will overflow. Parats. It means to break over, to burst out, to break through. In other words, if you fill a water balloon so much with water, it will burst. The idea is it's going to be a, it's more than enough. It's an overflow. And notice what it breaks through with. New wine. The word is terosh. Terosh. It means freshly pressed wine. In other words, There's an abundance of fruit. There's an abundance of fresh fruit. God is the God of overflow. Do you hear what Solomon's saying to us? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him and He'll keep you on track. You honor Him with the first and the best of all your provision and your storehouses will be filled and your life will overflow, break forth with new wine, with full provision. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 in the Amplified. And God is able... To make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in Him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. Preacher, I hear what all you're saying and I know all of that's true. But I just can't give like that. It's just too much. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a place that I just can't do that. Let me tell you one last story. It's another story of firsts. In 1 Kings 17, I, it's not going to be on your screen, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read it to you. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. It's Elijah. There had been a shaking in the land. And the prophet Elijah, it wasn't going to rain. It wasn't going to rain. And if you didn't rain, you don't produce. And if you don't produce, you get hungry. And that things, it was getting to be a really bad situation. And Elijah, he had been sent to God, by God to a, a brook. Not a river, a brook of Cherith. And there the ravens and the birds fed him. You remember the story in First Kings? Verse 7 and chapter 17. And then the word of the Lord, that brook dried up because there was no rain. In verse 9 of 1 Kings 17, it, the Lord said to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get 
get it. He called her and said, well, please, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And then she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of, in a, of a flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. I'd consider that dire straits, wouldn't you? And Elijah said to her, Don't, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. Not even at the same time. Make me a cake first. Now listen to what he says to her. For thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. I'm going to stop reading right there because let me ask you a question. If a preacher came to you and said, hey, can you give me a drink? And you're out there gathering sticks to cook your last meal for you and your son and die. How many of us would have said, okay, give me a drink, prepare the first cake for me. Well, I can tell you from a preacher's perspective, if you tell me you're about to cook your last meal and and eat it and die, I'm not going to ask for it. But Elijah knew something that sometimes we forget. He knew that there was a resource and a source, God, that had told him, you go and a widow, I've commanded a widow, widow to take care of you, to feed you there. And so Elijah does what God says. And he asked for the first part. As a preacher, I would never ask for your first part. But he asked for the first part because he understood something about first fruits that we don't. Listen to this word. For thus saith the Lord, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the joy of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she... And he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. I take it from reading this passage when the Lord said, I've commanded a widow there. If I was Elijah, I would have thought he had already told her. But you see, the Lord had already been working something before He ever got there. We think the miracle is that a bird, a raven, would feed Him. The miracle is, is the woman would obey God, the Word of God, when she didn't have anything left. She obeyed God. She gave the first part to Elijah. And when she gave the first part to Elijah, the Bible says she went back in, she made for her, her, herself and her son, but they didn't die. They didn't lose. And it says, and for many days, the flour and the oil never ran out because there was a provision for, from God, and they ate, she and he kept, they kept feeding the prophet too. 
There was more than enough just for her and her family. There was enough to do what God was intending to do. It's a principle of first fruit. The promise is God is the God of overflow. Can you imagine the faith it took for that widow to prepare a cake for the prophet? It's going to require the same kind of faith from us. Can I really trust God? Can I trust Him to do? Can I trust Him to keep His promises? 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. How can you know that God will keep His promise? Because He already has. God's never going to ask anything of you that He's not already provided. He's asking you to love Him enough to trust and honor Him. He loved you enough to honor you. For God so loved you that He gave His first and best for you. That you might not perish, but have the very life of God forever and ever. Jesus was God's first and best. He knew no sin, but He gave Himself as a sacrifice for your sin, for all sin. And He didn't just give you forgiveness. He gives you Himself. He comes to live in you, to supply you, to fill you, to equip you, to enable you, to comfort you, to take care of you, now and forever. You can trust Him. And listen to me. God is more sufficient than money. Step out of the struggle. into the sufficiency provided by God. Now folks, I'm not saying give and you'll get. I'm saying give because it's an honor to God who gave everything for you and to you that you might be His. Trust in the Lord. How do I know I'm trusting Him? Because I'm willing to give Him the first and the best of all my increase. Isn't it amazing? I'm preaching this message and there's not going to be an offering. It's not about giving and an offering. You know why we have the basket, I mean the boxes and not passing a plate? We're never going to try to manipulate anybody into giving. You see, giving is a matter of the heart. It's an honor to the Lord. And so I just want to invite you to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and to be willing to trust Him. And you know, debt may have you by the tail. You understand what I'm saying? Then ask God to give you wisdom to know how to get out from that. To give you instruction that you might be free You see, real freedom comes when you trust someone who's more sufficient than money. Financial freedom doesn't come when you have a lot of money. Financial freedom comes when you trust somebody who's more sufficient than your money. 
So I just bless you and I thank you. I'm trusting that the Lord is speaking to your heart. Because you want to know if you're trusting Him? See what you do with the things you really do trust. First and foremost, Him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we come before You. We're trusting You today to speak to our hearts. And God, I know there's a lot of people who are struggling even today. Struggling to pay their utility bills. Struggling to pay a lot of things. Father, I'm asking You that You would give them faith to believe You, to trust You, to listen to You, just like that widow that was going out to gather sticks. That You would provide a way for them to understand how if they trust You, You will direct their steps and You will guide them out of bondage into Your freedom. And Father, I pray that You would give them peace and a faith, a measure of faith to be able to walk with You even in the things they don't understand. And that, Father, that You would grant them great mercy. Lord, we thank You for Your love and kindness. And we ask, Lord, show Yourself mighty on our behalf because we trust in You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 